This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I keep thinking of how we piled our tools into the back seat, carefully avoiding the trunk. My mind travels back to the oak tree, the one that sees everything. Can it see us now? Can it see what we are about to do? I let that thought pass through me, and then my mind is blank. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is called Midnight Tales. Listen to the darkness. Tale one. In the Light of a Silver Moon Chapter 2 I must have drifted back to sleep, because as I look up, all I see is a dark shape in front of me. It is shaking me by my shoulder. A moment later, I recognize Gloria. She has a frantic look on her face, and up close I can see a bad bruise starting to form along her cheekbone. Where are we? I pull myself up in the passenger seat. I don't want her to know that I fell asleep in such a crucial moment, but she does not seem to mind. In the woods, Gloria whispers. I get out of the car and look around. It is so dark. I have to strain my eyes to see the slightest outline of whatever is around us. The only light is coming from the two headlights of the car. A light wind blows through my hair, and I shiver in its late-night chill. Anne, over here. Gloria is at the trunk of her car. She is leaning on it, as if holding herself up. I approach her slowly, unsure of what to do next. We stare at each other uneasily. Is he in there? I ask, my voice a hollow sound. Suddenly my arms and legs are cold and heavy. My body feels uncomfortable, like it does not belong to me. I want to turn around and run, disappear into the darkness, let it swallow me. But I don't move. I can't leave Gloria alone like this. Gloria slowly nods her head. Then her gaze travels to the trunk. I sigh and resolve to open it. Sooner or later, we have to. There is a loud knock and we both freeze. It is coming from inside the trunk. I look at Gloria, confused, and she covers her mouth with the palm of her hand. I thought you killed him. I manage to get out, just as we hear another knock coming from the trunk. Gloria is choked up by her tears. Her limbs are shaking. I look around and try to think. 
John is in the trunk. And he is not dead. What do we do? Gloria's uncertain voice wakes me out of my reverie. I turn to her, my face a mask. I know that I need to sound confident. Gloria can fall apart, but not me. One of us has to be thinking clearly. One of us has to make a decision. Gloria, I put my hands on her arms, pulling her up so she is standing straight. Gloria, do you really want him dead? My voice is so still and calm, I can barely recognize it. The strange calmness in it chills me. She looks up at me, and her eyes say it all. I know what the answer will be, so I stop her. Instead, I pull her towards me and hold her in my arms like a child, like I hold Bunny when she is sad. When I pull her away, I lean towards her face, and in the same haunting, calm voice I hear myself say, Gloria, get the shovel from the back seat. She nods, and I hear the clinking of tools and a car door shut. My heartbeat slows. When she hands me the shovel, the first thing I notice is how hard the handle is. So very heavy. But I cannot waste time. In a few hours, the sun will start to rise. I sigh and nod at Gloria, who looks terrified. She stares at me then, her face a big question mark. Go ahead, I say, as I get into position. She pulls out the keys and with a shaking hand fumbles with the lock until the trunk swings open. I raise the shovel, ready to hit, but everything inside is dark and still. My arms relax, and I stare at Gloria for a second. He did knock, didn't he? Yeah, I heard it too. There is a gurgling sound, and a noise of something wet against the wall of the trunk. My arms go up again, but I don't move. John is alive, but he is very hurt. Shit. I hear Gloria say quietly. I swear I thought he wasn't breathing. I swear. Shh. I try to calm her. Quiet, Gloria. Please don't make a sound. After a moment, I get closer to her. You got a flashlight? No. No, I don't think so. We stand for a few seconds. But it really feels more like an hour. Wait. Gloria exclaims. Wait a second. My keychain is one of those LED things. What do you call it? Bring it over here, I say, and wait with my arms raised, ready to strike at any moment, while she goes over to the driver's seat to get it. She comes back and looks at me again, searching for direction. I shift uncomfortably. I am not sure what I am about to see, and too scared to ask. All right. Go for it, I say finally, my words a lump in my throat, that same calm, haunting voice. The tiny light leaps out, and in its dim shine I see blood. There is so much blood. John is folded, laying in the pool of his own blood like a giant infant. 
a strange smell wafts off of him. He looks dead enough to me, I say, just as he springs forward and swings his arm towards us. But he does not make it far. Instead, it falls and plops against the back of the car. Thank you for supporting Crawl Space Media Podcasts. I'm here to tell you about LA Not So Confidential, the forensic psychology and true crime podcast brought to you by me, Dr. Shiloh, and this guy. Hey, I'm her bestie and co-host, Dr. Scott. She was a cop and I was a Hollywood casting director. Now we're both forensic psychologists working in Los Angeles. Twice a month, we bring you a classic or contemporary true crime story. We apply the real psychological concepts behind the story and dish on the media's representations of those cases. Subscribe now to LA Not So Confidential, wherever you get your Crawl Space Media podcasts. True crime, psychology, and snark. Trust us, we're doctors. We find that in these times, everyone needs some time to chill out and relax. That's why we're excited to announce this week's sponsor, Boston Green Health. Boston Green Health is a local provider of CBD products that specializes in oils, topicals, gummies, and edibles. Boston Green Health's plant-based products can provide natural relief and rest for the mind, body, and soul. As one of New England's premier hemp-based companies, they offer a variety of all-natural CBD products that use a blend of locally sourced hemp extract. Visit bostongreenhealth.com for premium CBD oil, a delicious variety of CBD-infused gummies, luxurious handcrafted topicals, and a product line for pets. Podcast listeners can receive 40% off any purchase by using show code STORIES. Boston Green Health takes pride in being New England's most trusted CBD brand. John is not dead, but he is well on his way. By the amount of blood he had lost, he does not have long. It will be a slow, miserable death. I never liked John, but I don't want him to suffer this way. I do not feel my arms move. Do not anticipate what happens next. It must have startled me when he went for us with his arm, because the next thing I see is the shovel coming down on him, hitting him right on the skull. Then the hollow sound, a thud, and a feeling of something warm spray itself across my face. It all happened so fast, it takes Gloria and I a moment to understand what I just did. We study each other's bewildered faces. I look back at John. This time, he is definitely gone. Something stirs in my stomach, and I feel sick. I can feel the thick contents travel up my esophagus, burning a path through my body, traveling against gravity. Then, I regain my senses. I cannot let myself get sick here, vomit on John or anywhere at all. I swallow hard and close my eyes. My ears still buzz with the sound I just heard. Now it is Gloria's time to take control. Anne. Anne, move, she commands. And I move aside, obedient. Help me get him out. Gloria is pulling on John, tugging at his sleeve 
please. I dive into the darkness of that trunk and together we manage to slide him onto the ground. Then I grab his knees while Gloria grabs under his shoulders and we carry him into the brightness of the headlights. There is no mistaking it now. John is no longer alive. His skin changes into something that resembles soft leather. Cold and soft. I cannot bear to touch it. His face is frozen into a frigid stare. There is something like a scowl. We work together. It is quiet. So quiet, I could hear a penny drop. The only sound is our own heavy breathing and the noise of earth and dirt being moved around. We work frantically. We dig as if to avoid something monstrous chasing us. We dig because suddenly, digging is like breathing. We work, not daring to take any breaks. When we are satisfied with how deep the hole is, we roll his heavy body into it. Gloria walks over to the car and slides a white plastic bag out of the driver's seat. I hadn't seen it before. She drops the bag into the hole where John is. And it takes me a moment to realize what this is. I don't say anything. Just stare and try to ignore the muted sound of an object landing. We take turns shoveling Earth back into the hole until there is nothing left to see. No hole and no John. Gloria and I are covered in sweat, dirt, and grime. Gloria walks over to the brush and drags some dry branches over the fresh earth. I do the same until we have it mostly covered. The sun is about to rise, and I wipe the sweat off my forehead with my soiled arm. We have to go, I say, and turn to look at Gloria. She is staring at the ground, where John had been swallowed up by the earth only a moment ago. There is a streak of tears running down her dirty cheeks. She says nothing, only goes over to the car and slams the trunk shut. I walk over to the passenger side and drop into the soft seat, exhausted and depleted. Gloria slides next to me, starts the engine, and we leave. In a minute, we hit the dirt road. I don't remember any of this. Don't remember how we got here. Gloria is silent. She is driving with her cheeks still wet. What will you do with the car? I ask as I fight to keep my eyelids open. This is harder than digging. My cousin, remember Kenny? She turns to me, but I stare ahead, still fighting with my eyelids. What about him? He's got his scrap metal lot. I remember he used to tell me of all the cars he would crush. He's got the machine and everything. Are you crazy? Do you really think he will take John's car, bloody and all, and look past all that? The reality of all this is starting to hit me now. Don't you worry. Gloria looks at me. Her face is calm and full of resolve. He owes me a big one. I stay quiet. There is no way this will not come back to us. A panic rises within me, and the first thing that I see in my mind is Bunny, her tiny, beautiful face. She can live without a father, but not without a mother. Bunny needs her mother. 
I sink deeper into the car seat. The immense weight of what I had done is crushing me, stifling me. I think Gloria can tell I am not feeling okay. She starts talking again. I am telling you, this will work. I've heard him tell stories. You know he's done stuff like that before. It won't be the first time. When? I ask. Few times, Gloria replies. Always some men in suits that give stacks of cash, that kind of thing. All he had to do was make a few cars disappear. Oh, I've heard it all. Her face is tense. Wrinkles cover her forehead as if painted on in crude brush strokes. She is thinking. The sun's first rays start to come up. The world looks fresh, different somehow, brand new and clean. Don't worry, darling, Gloria continues. I will take care of us. This will never come back to you. She smiles, that sweet smile she has. I remember her like this always, that smile so genuine and warm against the savage meanness of this world. Bunny, Bunny needs her mother, I manage to say before I drift off to sleep. Anne, Anne, don't be silly. If this ever gets found out, I will confess to everything. I will tell them it was only... But I stop listening, and suddenly I am in the dark again. I drift off to sleep. On the next episode of Midnight Tales, as I approach the end of the moonlit path, I see him. He is shaking with anger and yelping in pain. As I get closer, he howls at me. Only I know this isn't just any animal. This great raging wolf is John. He looks exactly like him. As I fly over him, our eyes meet, and he bears his sharp white teeth at me, threatening. But I am not scared. I am not scared because I had already killed John once before. Thank you for listening to Midnight Tales, a Crawl Space Media production of a Pi-Rational story from the in-between. Voice acted by me, Natalie Nottis. Music and post-production by David Williams. Written by Pi-Rational Writer. Stories from the In-Between is part of the Crawl Space Media Network family. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.